Hello and welcome to the very first NJ21 United podcast. I'm going to be your host, Adam Sheridan. I'm one of the NJ21 United organizers, and I'm a middle school English teacher in South Jersey. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you already know who we are, but just in case you don't, NJ21 United is a partnership of teachers and public school employees, both NJEA and AFT affiliated, and community members, whether they be parents, people involved in politics around the state, or simply people who care about children, education, and social justice. NJ21 United is dedicated to social justice, bargaining for the common good, rank-and-file democratic unionism, and worker-led labor movement militants. This is our first podcast. We're going to be talking about political issues and their intersections with education policy, broadly defined, which means we'll discuss things that happen within a classroom or within a school building or within a school district, but we'll also discuss the factors going on around our state that affect what happens in our classrooms. We can't ignore that the things that go on in our communities, in our state, and even in our country at large affect what happens between teachers and students during the school day. So we will discuss all of those things in a broad definition. NJ21 United is also a member of the Take Back New Jersey Coalition, so we'll be discussing occasionally efforts to take back New Jersey from the political machines that have ruled it for far too long. We're talking about the Norcross machine in South Jersey, but also all of the other machines in Central and North Jersey that control our state with an iron grip. So with that being said, welcome to The Common Good. All right, so we are here tonight to talk about what else, Path to Progress, because what else do we ever talk about? We are joined tonight by uh, two members of the NJ21 United strategy, strategy team. First, we have Melissa Tomlinson. Melissa, can you uh, give us a quick bio? Who are you? I'm a special education teacher in Buna Regional Middle School. I am the LAT, LAT chair for my local, the LAT co-chair for my county. Uh, Pride Chair, uh, and I do a lot of local organizing with uh, progressive community organizations. We are also joined uh, by Teresa Fuller. Teresa, can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Teresa Fuller. I work. Uh, I'm a history teacher in North Plainfield High School. I'm also the local president of my association. Um, I'm pretty active within my county, Somerset County, and I'm also on uh, the, I'm the chair for the Congressional Contacts Committee in Somerset County. Thank you both for joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to start off by, uh, we should probably give a quick overview of what Path to Progress is. If you're, you're listening to this, you may know what it is, but maybe not everyone does. So Teresa, can you tell us a little bit about what is Path to Progress and why is it so bad? Sure. So um, Path to Progress is something that uh, members started hearing about about a year ago, um, and it's a group of 27 bills that were created uh, by a basically a, a work group that Steve Sweeney put together, and essentially they came up with 27 bills that they introduced in the spring dealing with a, a wide range of issues, including special education, taxes, school district consolidation, but most importantly for our members, also bills uh, that pertain to our pension and our health benefits. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the health benefits? Um, what do they want to do with the health benefits? What do they want to change? Sure. So um, right now, you guys know that um, prior to th 2011, 
our employee health benefits were considered to be very affordable and we didn't pay into it. Um, and then in 2011, they changed uh, all of that when they signed Chapter 78 into law. So uh, with Path to Progress would do, um, essentially, um, it would increase our deductibles, it would increase prescription costs, um, co-pays would increase, out-of-network costs would increase, um, and in, in addition to that, we would still be responsible for our Chapter 78 contribution rates. Right, and as we know, teachers that have been teaching for a while are now seeing their paychecks reduced because of Chapter 78, that they, they get a, a raise at the end of the year and 100% of that raise and even more is taken up by their health insurance contributions. Um, uh, I just renegotiated a contract. We're getting ready to get our retroactive pay and many of my members will end up with negative net meaning that they'll be making less than they were before. And so Path to Progress is going to make that even worse. It's going to take the same contributions that we're currently making. It might reduce the premiums a little bit, but it's also going to give us much less in, in terms of healthcare with no compensation at all, right? They're not going to pay Absolutely. us anymore. All right, Melissa, can you talk a little bit about what they're doing to the pension system? Uh, yeah, so the pension system back in the 1990s, actually, uh, the state started failing to make its required payments into our pension system. And they were doing this with a lot of legislative shenanigans and covering it up. Uh, and as time went on, the, the gap of what should be in there and what was getting put in grew. So uh, employees started public workers started contributing uh, increasing percent to it, also adding to the decreasing paychecks that we were getting. Um, and it, it, several warnings have come out that, you know, if we don't change the pension system, that the pension system will not be sustainable, will not be able to make payments of everybody that retires in the future. But research shows that this isn't true, that if you increase the pension payments, you know, just enough, that the pension system can become healthy again. And on top of that, the fiscal ratings for our state would actually increase. Our credit ratings will go up. They went up after Murphy made his last payment into the pension system. But what the path to progress wants to do is they want to make that change to the pension system. They want to change the structure of the pension and make it so that it's not an automatic guaranteed retirement payment like it is now, meaning that uh, people that retire, public workers that retire will be receiving less, shifting the burden onto the public to make sure there's enough um, elderly care and health support uh, as everybody gets older and starts to age out of, out of the system and retire. Right. We should mention that not only does this apply to teachers, it applies to all of our ESPs. It applies to uh, not just people who work in public schools. It also applies to all public workers, people who are part of the CWA union and NJEA and even Ask Me and some of the others are all subject to this. Yeah, and so, that includes yeah, TPATH and PERS. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have Path to Progress, which will degrade our healthcare. It won't pay us anymore to make up for the difference. It'll simply just basically decrease our salaries. And it will also probably crash our pension system while providing a much less generous pension to new employees. So what, what's bad about this? Other than the obvious problems with, uh, from our worker perspective, 
what's uh what is this going to do to the state of public education in new jersey Teresa, you want to start with that sure so one of the kind of the big changes one of the bigger changes to the um pension plan that's part of this path to progress is the fact that they are going to take uh, many of our uh, newer employees and they are looking to shift them into a different pension plan. So um, it's almost like a hybrid retirement plan. All of their uh, contributions on income over $40,000 will be put into a 401k type of plan instead of the, um, the, the, the pension system that we have now. Um, that would be no employer contributions. It would just be a standard 401 type of plan. Um, and really, they're also shifting their retirement age to 67 years old. So I don't know about my fellow um, educators, but at 67 years old, I do not plan to be in a classroom. Um, so we have, a we have a lot of issues. You know, it reduces the incentive to enter education. Um, you know, at young, our younger and early career members, why would they want to enter, um, you know, a, a, a career like that? Um, you know, and it also creates a really divisive atmosphere where it pits, um, you know, uh, older employees against younger employees. And that's not ever been something that, 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 we, that we've stood for. That's really going to make our students suffer. It's going to make our schools suffer. And with you know New Jersey being number one in the nation right now, we can't afford to you know to to create a system where where we kind of where we fall down from where we are now. Right. This this kind of like two tiered contract thing is a pretty classic union busting tactic. This is something that lots of corporations and entities have done with their workforce trying to bust the union, and this is being sold as a cost cutting measure. But there's really a pretty clear union busting purpose that's really behind this, I think. Yeah, and Adam, there's no guarantee with that 401 type plan that they have to make, you know, the pension payments that they're, I mean, right now they're not, they're not always making our pension payments, but there's absolutely no guarantee with this new Path to Progress plan that they have to pay into, um, into the pension. There's nothing written into the legislation saying that they, that they're, that they're going to make the pension payments that that, that they should, despite the fact that we pay into it, right? That comes out of your paycheck. Right. We have never missed a payment. Only the state has. So that brings us to today. That, that's a background on Path to Progress, but uh, something was going on in the State House today. You probably saw NJ21 United storm the State House campaign. We were all over social media, uh, working all of our contacts, trying to get as many people as possible to come and, and come to the State House to try and stop what we were calling the Sweeney Shakedown. Melissa, can you tell us what is the Sweeney Shakedown and what happened today? So the Sweeney Shakedown is a piece of legislation that Senator Sweeney put forward. Uh, just at the end of last week, he posted it and it went through the Assembly Committee and the Senate Committee. Uh, and it basically establishes a permanent commission to put forward his Path to Progress agenda. Now he's disguised it and it's named the Economic and Fiscal Policy Review Commission. But we all know it's for the path to, to poverty agenda. It's going to have basically the same people that he met with and that came together to create the path to progress. It's going to leave out educator voices. It's going to leave out uh, public worker voices. 
so basically it's, it's a group of people make, that are not in education, not in the public sector, making decisions for us, uh, you know, trying to shove these reforms down uh, in order to, I don't know what they think or what they're touting to be uh, saving money. But when you look at it, um, the economy of our state depends upon good schools, right? That's the backbone. All of those in every state, the, the numbers correlate. So to do this is a concern, not just to the teacher force and to the educator force, it's a concern to the future business force. And I really wish the New Jersey Business Association would realize that connection and start speaking against this. So what happened with the vote? How, did it turn out the way we wanted? Uh, no, it definitely did not turn out the way we wanted. Although it did, it did turn out the way we expected. Um, in the Senate, there was only one senator who voted in our favor by voting down the bill, and that was Senator Turner. From uh, LD15, thank you, Senator LD15. Turner. Yeah, and then in the assembly, there were eight assemblymen who voted no, assembly representatives, and there were a few abstentions as well. Um, but at the end of the day, the legislation still passed through, and you know we'll have to see. Um, there is hope. Murphy can pocket veto it, and uh, you know at the end of that that pocket veto, if he just lets it sit on his desk, it dies. So um, you know we have some next actions coming. Right. We should we should unpack that a little bit. That this today was the very last day of the legislative session. Um, it's sort of the legislative calendar year. So today was the last chance for this group of state legislators to pass legislation. At the end of today, some of them are no longer in office. They were voted out. Uh, and the next session of the legislature will feature a, a different makeup of, of legislators. And when that happens, every law that has not been passed, um, we call it, it dies, which means it's, um, it loses, it's over. And if they want to bring it back in the next session, they have to start from scratch. It has to have a, a principal sponsor. It has to move through committee. It has to go through all those procedural hoops um, that they've already gone through, but they can't ride on, on that last time. It has to start over. So Murphy can simply refuse to sign this. He can let it sit on his desk and that's called a pocket veto. And it can't be overridden because there's no time left to do that. They would have to have a voting session of these legislators. And at the end of today, some of those legislators are no longer in office. So this can't be overridden. So that brings us to the question of what's going on? Why are they doing this? Teresa, what do you think? Why are they doing this? Why vote for something that can't happen? I, I definitely think it's a power play. Um, we know that Sweeney and Murphy um, have definitely, they are not friendly, even though they are both um, from the Democratic caucus. They're definitely not friends, right? They have very different opinions about where they think the state of New Jersey should go. In addition to that, it's my belief that Sweeney is definitely backed by um, big money, particularly political machines. You know, I'm, I'm speaking particularly of, of Norcross in South Jersey. Um, we have that whole political machine of South versus North, who's going to head that Democratic caucus going forward. Um, not the Democratic caucus, the, uh, the Democrat, the head of the Democratic Party, right, Adam? The new guy is right. The, there was just a, a fight for the chairmanship of the Democratic committee, the statewide committee, right. which at first looked like uh, George Norcross. And if you don't know who George Norcross is, George Norcross is an insurance executive and he's the most powerful, unelected person in the state of New Jersey. He's behind a lot of the uh, politics that, that go on here. 
he controls what's known as the Norcross or the South Jersey Democratic Machine, um, which is most of the legislators that are, are south of, say, Burlington County. Um, and he has he's behind a lot of the things that are going on. He also just happens to be Steve Sweeney's childhood friend. So you, you can see how much power he wields through his money, uh, through his influence, and also through the fact that him and Sweeney are, are buddies. So a lot of our members, and you know, I know this for my members, they tell me, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to get involved with the politics. I just teach in my classroom. But these politicians are making decisions that affect us, affect our, our classrooms, affect our livelihoods, and affect our ability to retire. And they're doing a lot of kind of backdoor wheeling and dealing that you know we really really need to start to pay attention to and today was exactly that it was definitely wheeling and dealing that were going on in trenton and that's really unfortunate yeah i think that's a great point we seem to be caught in the middle of a, a larger game that we're not we're not players in but yet we are we're still subject to all the time it seems yeah adam if i can add to that a little bit you know being in the state house all day I watched the bill after bill after bill go through in the last day of a legislative session. And to have something like that happen where we're passing hundreds of pieces of legislation in one day because it's the end of the session, it shows that our system as it is right now is not working. We can't even have people within the same party come to agreements because there's too many egos and too many power plays trying to kind of wrestle for control. And just like you said, we're the ones that get stuck in the middle and we're the ones that, that get hurt. This is year two of our ESP job protection legislation pieces that we've been trying to get through and year two of the session ending without any kind of movement on those bills. That gets back to your point about having to be involved in politics. That uh, what, What's that expression? If you don't know who George Norcross is, he knows who you are. And so there is no choice here for, for teachers and for public workers. You may not want to be involved in this, but we are involved in this, whether we like it or not. So we should talk a little bit about um, what do we do about this? We, we didn't win here today. We had NJ, NJEA-endorsed politicians voting to create this panel that's just going to be used to shake us down all the time, forever. We had veto-proof majorities in both houses of our legislator voting for bills against us. So how do we stop this? What are our options here? Melissa, why don't you take this one? What can we do? Well, the first immediate action that we're calling for is for everybody to make calls to the governor's office every day urging that veto uh, and, and putting a stop to this commission. But unfortunately, we know that Senator Sweeney is not going to stop with this uh, path to progress plan that he has. Uh, he's kind of very vested in it and he sees it as uh, you know, the necessary future of New Jersey uh, when we see it for what it is as union busting. Um, so some very serious discussions need to take place about uh, what our role as public educators are and what kind of voices we need to use to stand up against this. We've done phone calls, we've done emails, we've done, um, attended his Sweeney's town halls to speak against this. We've done uh, a statewide rally at Trenton last June. 
So these are all escalating actions. Um, and you know, when you're a union organizer, kind of the big action is, of course, a strike. Um, and that's not necessarily the end action. Even after you have a strike and if you are successful and get some wins, there's still always more organizing and more wins to be fighting for. Um, one thing to know that a strike in New Jersey is um, considered what most people think illegal, but it's technically not illegal to do a statewide work action. Um, and there's different legal languages that people have been looking at to see um, what to do. Uh, leaders can be held responsible for calling for a strike, but a grassroots uh, built from the ground up motion of actually just doing it uh, kind of releases the leaders of responsibility. Uh, you know, when you have membership and they get together in collective power, and create collective action, that is where your real union power lies. That's exactly what they did in West Virginia. That's exactly what they've been doing in other red for Ed states, Arizona, um, today in Florida. Members got together, they mapped out a plan of what they wanted to do, and they decided to do it. Right. We should, we should definitely be clear about that, that there are other states that have had statewide actions that have happened where not only is any kind of strike or job action quote unquote illegal, but they don't even have collective bargaining rights and they did it anyway. Right. And it's important to know that, you know, the action, the action of going out on strike is not the illegal part. It's, it's the refusal after you've gone out of work or done a work action of that, you know, large nature. It's the refusal of, following an injunction that may be placed upon the local uh, to force them to go back to work. If that's refused and that's ignored, that's where legal trouble can, can come into play. Uh, but we had uh, a couple locals recently in New Jersey go out on strike for a day at least, um, and they were able to meet with the Board of Ed and, and come to an agreement on their contracts, but we had Jersey City go out and we had Franklin Lakes go out. So it's possible, right? And we need to think about taking what was done in those locals and discussing what it would look like as a state. Yeah, I think a lot of our members are kind of are under the false assumption that it, we are an, a no-strike state here in New Jersey and that it's illegal. And like Melissa said, it's illegal if you're ordered to go back to work and you do not, right? So that's really a different, it's a very, that's a very different thing than it just being generally illegal. Right. Calling for strike votes, even conducting strike votes and voting affirmatively for strikes are protected speech under the First Amendment. So doing those sorts of things is not illegal. Going out on strike isn't illegal. I mean, I know we keep saying this, but this is an important point. It's an important distinction that that's not illegal. If you, the, the state, your district can get an injunction which forces you to go back to work. And if you disobey that, that can be, that can result in legal jeopardy. They can even jail you. But up to that point, everything is legal. Um, and, and I wanted to share a story of um, other workers, public workers that have done something like this. Um, there's a CWA uh, local that represents the crossing guards in Camden City. And they recently held a strike vote. They pushed for a strike vote. They got a super majority strike 
over 80% of them voted. I think it was over 90% voted for a strike. They declared that they would go on strike. And the city of Camden, which is the heart of the Norcross machine, if you know anything about South Jersey, that's like the Norcross capital. They backed down and they gave them a new contract pretty much right away. Um, I've even talked to their local president and you know, what he, what he told me really stuck with me is he said, withholding your labor is never illegal. And I think that's the point that we're trying to get here. That's never illegal. Your labor is always yours. And that's where our power comes from. So the rank and file member, uh, you know, kind of needs to take it upon themselves to start having conversations, right? Start thinking about who's in your hallway, who's in your work site, who is definitely aware of what's transpired over the past week and the past year and asking them, well, what do you want to do about this? We're not getting what we need. We're not getting the dignity that we deserve as public workers and as educators from our legislature. So what are we going to do about this? Things that we have done so far are not working. Once a, a membership group gets together, have a conversation with the local leader. Okay, so we've come to this conclusion that this is what we want as next steps. It's your responsibility as a leader to carry that message further up the chain in the union, right? Le local leaders, once they hear this from the members, they should be going to the counties and to the states and saying, hey, my members are saying they want to take this job action. How are we going to do this? They can even take a vote, you know, once they go to the leaders and they um, hear enough from the, from the membership, they can take the vote in their own local and take that vote to the state leaders and say, look, I had 95% of my members voting and 90% of them voted for the strike. This is what my membership wants. Rank and file members need to, to recognize that they own the union, right? The union should be doing what we say we want done. And that's, that's a power that is not really recognized a lot. We hear a lot from members, well, what is NJEA doing? What is NJEA doing? And this is the time that we need to kind of seize that moment and say, hey, NJEA, this is what we want you to do. And map it out for them. So what would we see as a trigger for this? What would be the reason that we would go out? I think, so if this commission is not vetoed, or even if it is vetoed, right, we're going to see path to progress come up again. It's not going to die. So Sweeney also has in his back pocket pieces of legislation already written to legislatively change our pensions and our health benefits. And to me, that's, that's the two main things because our health benefits used to be, and still to some extent are collectively bargained. We're, we're confined by chapter 78, even though chapter 78 supposedly sunset, uh, you know, we've still been confined a lot by that language. But that those collective bargaining rights have been stripped away. And then the pension, you know, it, it's just, a, it's a slap in the face that this pension was not fully funded. When, it, when it's in the constitution that it should be and the, the judges ruled that the state didn't have to make the payments right, back then we should have gone on strike. So then to add kind of insult to injury and to continue to do this, to me that's, that's the trigger point right there, right? We're at a point where we cannot afford to put up with any more of decreasing paychecks, of lack of respect uh, from our, our state leaders as educators and as public workers 
and and fighting against the the narrative and the messages messaging that teachers are to blame for the state's fiscal problem. Yeah, I think they've made clear at this point that getting out the vote, making phone calls, showing up at their offices, that's not enough. Um, and I think we saw a real object lesson today when last June we had some three, 4,000 public workers out in the square and they're gonna do path to progress. They're gonna vote the way they voted today anyway. On the other hand, they had maybe two or 300 people who were against the, the vaccine bill and they're terrified of them. And so I think it shows that we need to step up our game a little bit. They're not, they're not afraid of our phone calls. They're not afraid of our office visits. Uh, they feel free to ignore us. So we're going to have to find a way to get through to them, I think. It's time for the next step. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thank you, Melissa and Teresa, for being with us tonight. Thank you, Adam, for hosting. Thank you. All right, we will see you next time on The Common Good. From all of you good workers, good news to you I'll tell Of how the good old union has come in here to dwell Which side are you on? Which side are you on? My daddy was a miner and I'm a miner's son And I'll stick with the union